Welcome to week 83, all the balls. I'm Justin Miller. I'm Jake Platter. We look a lot bigger today. I think it's the camera. Which, which one are you? I don't know. I can't tell. Zoomed in on our face, but um, welcome to the show. Back it up. We're glad you can join us. It's I feel like it's midnight right now. Long day. Long days at work nowadays, Jake. How you, how you feeling? You get a flower right there. These people are watching you think you're crazy. I'm going to move some stuff. Don't spill your drinks. Good day at work, Jake. Good week. Good weekend. Good Great day of work today. Nice. Glad to hear. But let's get to the show. All right. So we You asked me a question. <laughs> week 83, all the balls. Last time we did the show, it was a lot of March Madness talk. I believe there were 16. Today there were 16 we're not teams left. about March Madness at all. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. There were 16 teams left. We're finally down to the final four. It had, that tournament always happens so fast. And like We just had Selection Sunday, like what, three weeks ago? But here we are, and we got a very good Final Four. We'll talk about predictions and all that crap towards the end of the show. But to start the show off today, Jake, there were a lot of games that happened. I'm sure you watched most of them, not all of them, probably a good percentage of them. But the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, we saw some crazy surprises, some big-time disappointments. We saw Peacocks, we saw Tar Heels, we saw mascots, popcorn, fans, craziness, brackets getting busted. We saw people dancing. It was, it was a great tournament. It's still a great tournament. We haven't had a buzzer beater yet in the tournament, which is kind of rare, but we've had a, a crazy amount of overtime games, and we've had a lot of a lot of fun, Jake. You like this tournament so far, for the most part? Could have been better. Is it underwhelming? I like the Final Four. I like the teams that made the Final Four. What's up, Mark? But I think the tournament as a whole could have been better. Yeah, I mean, it's not over yet, so don't, don't get your hopes up yet. But I think, yeah, overall, it's kind of weird. We haven't seen a buzzer beater. It seems like there's usually one or two every tournament. But Normally, there's one in the first five games. But from where we sat two years ago, the tournament got canceled. Things weren't looking well. And again, last season, they had the tournament, but it wasn't the same without barely any fans. I mean, now, at least we're back to normal. We got popcorn. We got people watching the games. The Final Four already sold out yesterday. I mean, obviously, we got four vintage teams in the, in the Final Four. It's going to be a great Saturday night. I can't wait. But just recapping what happened these past four days or so with the Sweet 16 of the Elite Eight, Jake, is there anything that really stands out to you? What do you mean? A game? Special or... teams, special players. I can't believe that. Mascots. I mean, I, you know, I almost, I almost tricked myself and said I can't believe that the Peacocks beat Purdue. But yeah, that's a when shock. You, it is a shock, right? Going into the game, you'd say... Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady, Travion Williams, Schmemschmiss, Stavanovich, um, uh, that kid Gillis. They got they're they're loaded. I, I feel like they have like five players that are better than anyone on the Peacocks. Um, and you'd be right. Um, that was a a big upset. But when you really watch the game. Purdue gave it away. They they're a, they were a turnover issue all se- all season long. Yeah, they tricked us. Um, and, and I mean, it's part of the reason when I made my bracket, I had them going out kind of early. They made it further than I thought they would, but I still thought they were going to beat that team. You know, I, I thought that th- that team was going to lose to everyone they played. Um, yeah, I mean, no one had them going past the first round. I mean, it's it's and that's crazy, the story right? of the tournament. It's crazy, right? Um, but I I will give credit to. Uh, the great Aiden Golden, who said that until the UNC game, St. Peter's had not been down more than seven the entire tournament. And I think that, you know, you might say like, oh, that's interesting and just, you know, disregard it. But I think that it's a a very, very telling stat because teams like that can 
you know, start a game strong, punch a team in the mouth when they weren't expecting it, you know, Will Smith, Chris Rock style, yeah. and then and then not look back. They can they can hold on, they can surprise the team, get them off balance, you know, force them into some things that they weren't expecting they'd had to do, and then they hold on and win a game. But once that team had a deficit to a team that was clearly more talented and and you questioned their resolve, you you know, you wondered what this team had in the tank to, you know, put a few stops together and actually get a lead back on a team, that's when it started to unravel and, and show why they, they you know, weren't this team the entire yeah, season. Yeah, I mean, they met UNC, and you can, if you're looking at Jake's jersey, you can see probably the reason why he's wearing the jersey. I don't know who he's picking in that game, but we'll find out towards the end of the show. But yeah, it overall, North Carolina. the game that surprised me the most out of that Sweet 16 slash Elite Eight, it got to be that, got to be that Purdue-St. Peter's game. I mean, even though Purdue wasn't playing their best basketball, it's still the St. Peter's Peacocks coming to the tournament. To. And a Purdue team, for the most part, that was pretty good for the whole season. Definitely a top 10 team. And I just didn't think St. Peter's was going to go in and stop Edie, Williams, Ivy. I mean, like Jake said, too much talent. So far and away, that was probably the most surprised I was in the whole tournament so far that they beat a Purdue team. You're more surprised they beat them than Kentucky? With that much talent. And yeah, I like Purdue better. I had them go in the Final Four. and. And Purdue and Kentucky aren't going anywhere now. They're both done. So St. Peter's. They're hanging out. It was a hell of a ride. And congratulations to the head coach, Shaheen Holloway. Because I don't know if you know, but. Seton Hall. Head coach of Seton Hall. It's all my matter. And just, just like that, I mean, he's in the Big East. So we'll see what he can do with that team. That's going to be interesting. It's a great story, though. Going to school. And now you're coaching your school that you went to. I mean, it's going to be a great story. And obviously, it's going to be a tough task being from a small conference like that going to the Big East. Yeah, absolutely, but congrats. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. That was a game I was definitely most surprised about, and I assume you were too, Jake. I just said I was. And anything that disappointed you? I mean, there were some, some blowouts. Yeah, I think, I, I think I'm going to pick the game that you, you were going to pick again. Um, I think the biggest disappointment of the, the two rounds was the Kansas-Miami game. Oh, you knew I had that? Um, no, but I knew you were going to pick that. No. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I to to me I think the whole tournament the second half at least to me I think the whole tournament Kansas wasn't doing all they should have I you know I I you know a team that hasn't lost I I don't want to say they've done anything wrong but this team should have been more dominant um and you know they looked somewhat vulnerable and you know a team like Miami I know they're a double digit seed they've you know maybe had some easier matchups as far as Iowa State goes um, that was a lucky pick for them later on but they were embarrassing teams that were definitely better than them throughout the season and you thought they'd be able to to put some of the clamps on on Kansas and make it somewhat of an interesting game but that was a twenty five point game yeah it was, it was a good first half. Yeah, it was a good first half followed by a complete murder. I think it was 47 to 15 second yeah, something half. Yeah, like that was ridiculous. 32. Um, buried. Yeah, and that's the, that's the same thing I said. I was disappointed of it because I really thought it would be a close game. And you look up, Kansas ended up beating them by at least 20 points. In the first half, Miami was winning by six. So they turned around in the second half. Going into the game, I thought there was a slight chance that Miami could even win the game. I thought it would be a close game either way. But in the second half, Miami just they didn't do what they were doing in the first half. They were turning the ball over. And like Jake said, Kansas, you look up and they're in the Final Four, but they, they had trouble against Creighton. They had trouble in the first half against Miami. Creighton without their best player. In the first round, they had trouble at the beginning of the game. And now you look up and they're one win away, one, one win away from playing on Monday night in the national championship game. So we'll see. 
Ochi Abaji has to get going. He got going in the second half of that game, but we'll give our predictions. We don't want to ruin anything right now. We'll talk about that later on yeah. towards the end of the show. But yeah, the, speaking of the best games real quickly before we get to some National Basketball Association stuff, Jake, what was your favorite game of the Sweet 16 if, if your brain goes back that far? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my favorite game of the Sweet 16, I think, was Houston and Arizona. Um, I, I'm a, them. Houston. I'm a big fan of defense, and Arizona, kind of like Kansas, to me, wasn't really showing all their all their worth. I mean, if we, if you remember last week, we talked about our picks. I said Houston would beat Arizona. Jake, Jake had some good picks. I did. I said Arkansas would beat Gonzaga too. I don't know why I didn't put it in my bracket. Minus the um, minus one of the games, Purdue. Yeah, that. Um, but in Iowa State, Miami. Yeah, I mean, we got to get one wrong, right? Um, but hey. I picked a couple of sweet upsets that happened. I'm a fan of defense. I, I like Houston. I think it, if Houston was still in it, I think they could beat any of these teams on a, on a given night. Oh, hell yeah. Um, but defense. wasn't enough offense. They, you know, they, they got a good win against Arizona. They were hitting the shots. They were putting the clamps down. Clam That Yeah, that was my favorite game. I like seeing good defense. Yeah, I agree. That was my second favorite game. The game that kept me up at night, kept me rolling and rocking, couldn't go to sleep, couldn't wake up for work in the morning, had to get the alarm, a little extra bang. But um, I like the Duke-Texas Tech game. I mean, this was a game that going in, the spread was won. People were like, oh, it seems a little, seems a little sketchy to me. And Going in, obviously, I thought Duke was going to win the game. But, man, those teams were battling back and forth throughout the first half, the second half. The game was unbelievable. And Texas Tech showed why they belonged to go that far in the tournament. Their defense, their rebounding, their coaching. I mean, Texas Tech really has it all. They don't have a star player on the team, but they, they almost beat Duke. And then a guy by the name of Jeremy Roach said, you know what? I'm sick of this. Yeah, I want to win this game, and I'm going to take over in the second half. And that was a really great game, probably top five in the tournament. Those guys were just battling back and forth. It looked like Texas Tech was going to take over. Then Coach K said, I don't want my season to end. And Paolo Bonchero, probably the number one pick in the draft, made some huge I think shots. He's it at this point. And Jeremy Roach was awesome down the stretch. And now you look up, and Duke's in the Final Four. But I'll talk about Duke in about one to two minutes because I'll mention another game. But that Duke-Texas Tech game to me, it was phenomenal. Back and forth. I don't think either team led by more than six points the whole way. Great yeah. game. Except for when they won by like nine or ten. Yeah, until the very end. Some freebies at the line, but that's about it. Yeah, and then Jake, I flash flash forward a little bit. Your brain's probably processing this a little bit better because it was, little, it was a little recent. So we're going to talk about your favorite. What comes after the Sweet 16? The Elite Eight. So That's my your favorite. Your favorite Elite Eight game. What was it? There was only four to pick from. I got it. Yeah, I gotta, it was a bad Sunday, I have to say. I got to go with Houston again. Um, the Houston Villanova game was boring to most, but I it's like the Patriots Rams Super Bowl. I, like yeah, defense. it was like the Patriots Rams Super Bowl. I love a good defensive game. I didn't think the winner was going to get fifty. It was close. Um, yeah, they barely did. But that was that was a great game for me. I enjoyed watching it a lot. Um, I. I mean, Villanova overcame. I mean, they clearly, like, Houston had no offense. They missed, like, 23 pointers. Yeah, that was crazy. obvious. I think both teams had four threes um, or some shit. But hey, that's how the game goes sometimes, and you, you got to be a, a multifaceted team. It was a sad game, too. If you want to, yeah, if you want to win it all, you got to be able to win in different ways, and Villanova showed they can. Yeah, it was a good game. I mean, if you like defense, I went with a game that tipped off about 35 minutes after that game, the Duke-Arkansas game. I know it was the, the final score wasn't as close, but to me, Arkansas, 
I mean, we knew they were hot going into the tournament, but they proved to me that there's a chance that they bring back four of those five starters next year. J.D. Note is probably going to the league. I've heard some hype that Jalen Williams. Williams is going to the NBA. Yeah, I don't know. I, he'd be really good in college next year if he stays. But that, that Arkansas team, to me, they're really well coached. They played Duke pretty well. I mean, I know the final score didn't indicate it as much. But Duke just overpowered them. I'm more on the offensive side of things here. So I think both those teams, they put on a clinic, especially in the first half. The second half was more, you knew Duke was going to win the game. But I thought there really weren't a lot to choose from. When you think of it, the first day they had the two games me and Jake just mentioned. And then the Carolina-St. Peter's game was a joke. And the Kansas-Miami game turned out to be a joke as well. So I'm expecting a very, very good Final Four. And I think we're going to get a good Final Four. Yeah, I think so too. So those were those were what happened we're from 68 down to four. Unfortunately, I only have one of my final four teams remaining for my bracket. And What do you have? Zero? Yeah, none. So, sorry. There's always next year. But, but yeah, it's been a tough tournament. And Try again. We'll give you our predictions and some players at the, end of the, at the end of the stretch here. But you know what? We haven't talked about the Celtics in a little while. So, there is one big thing that happened between shows, and it's not good news either. What did I say the one thing the Celtics needed to win a championship? Rob Williams? Health. Yeah, and and it is we're kinda of going bad news, good news here because Rob Williams is out, but the Celtics did announce that it's probably gonna be only four to six weeks. So when you think about I, it I heard some things from Ime Udoka today. What did he say? He said Rob's already back on the court. Yeah, but I they, you don't obviously he's out for the regular season. He said only five Rob months. is back on the court. I think he's gonna be out for at least Half of the first round at the oh my at the god! Worst. I would love if he came back during the first round. Yeah, he's probably out for the. Let's not get ourselves all happy here. He's probably out for the first round, and if they can survive the first round, which they should, the way they've been playing lately, they should just purposely stretch it to seven. Yeah, literally. But but it's not good news either way. I mean, the Celtics have lost two games in a row for the first time in about almost two months now, and obviously Rob Williams is on in the court on the court. But to me, they got the best possible outcome. It could have been a lot worse. Oh yeah, we could have lost him for the year. I think he. I think he's determined to come back. Yeah. No. I mean, they are in a situation where good thing they got Daniel Tice at the deadline. Good thing they have Al Horford, even though he's more of a power Grant. forward. Grant Williams is playing his best basketball of his career this season. But overall, how do you think it's going to affect the Celtics in these final only five NBA regular season games left in in the playoffs? We have like a two and a half game lead on the fifth seed. Currently, we're fourth. Yeah, one to four um, is jumbled up right now. One to four is jumbled up. I mean, it it's possible the Celtics move around there, but I think more likely than not, we're going to finish in that three four spot. Um, yeah, Miami's up one and a half now. And, the last and I'm fine with that, honestly. Um, my my biggest concern in the first round was not playing Brooklyn, um, and it's not that Brooklyn is so good. And I don't think it will. Um, my, it's not that I'm so concerned with Brooklyn. I think that the Celtics are capable of beating Brooklyn, but without Rob Williams, that's you know maybe a different story. Maybe we're not even the favorite to win that series. Um, the best player would certainly be on the Brooklyn Nets, um, but I I don't think they're going to play them, which you know is comforting, and it may it may actually do us good to not be a one or two C because I think Brooklyn is going to end up being in that play in in the seven eight spot, um, one of the two. So the plane. if we yeah if we avoid that then I I'm pretty comfortable I mean ideally I would see the Celtics playing Cleveland yeah Cleveland Chicago um, one of those guys Toronto um, I wouldn't mind any of those three really and I I think the Celtics are plenty capable of beating all three even without Rob Williams Chicago probably being the hardest just because they have a very strong offense Bridges just commented Duke um, wonder where she is. 
But I'm I'm happy we're not getting Brooklyn. I just think that, it, you know, like I said, it's not that we couldn't beat them, but who said you have to play every single one of the hardest teams to win a championship? You don't. Yeah, I mean, overall, like I said, it's not it's not good news. You don't want to lose your starting center, Rob Williams. Playing the best of his career right now. But, yeah, he'll be back. Four to six week timeline. He's definitely going to be out for the first round. But, but the you, thing is, to me, time, you don't want to rush a, him. You don't want to rush him back. No, you don't. You don't. And I, I completely agree with you. Um, if he's not ready, I, I don't want him to come back. Um, but, but I, I am hopeful that by the time we're playing uh, Milwaukee, uh, Miami, a Philly, a Brooklyn in the playoffs, he'll at least be working his way back onto the court. Yeah, because this is a guy that he changes he changes the defense of the 100%. team that they're playing. I mean, people focus on Robert Williams, especially the air he's having, but down low, it opens the floor a little bit for Brown and Tatum, and not even talking about the other side of the floor on defense. I mean, Rob Williams is playing the best defense of his career right now, blocking shots, even guarding out in the post a little bit, which the I don't are, think he could do. The Celtics but. are so scary defensively that I don't, I don't think any team wants to play us healthy. Yeah, um, and they've lost two in a row, but... Without Williams. Miami's but, a good team. Uh, you know, well, I mean, one of those games, we didn't have anyone. Yes, I mean, they um, must be Toronto, too, so... I mean, you want to... I don't... What team is going to welcome the challenge of having to go up against Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, and Williams? It's Especially it's, in a seven-game series. It's you probably the best combination of any team's rostered players... For defense in the entire NBA, yeah, they're they're good, and Rob Williams has made a huge impact on this team this season. He's going to continue to down the stretch. All right, Jake, three rewards real quick. I know they're not going to announce it for a couple weeks. Who do you think deserves to win the MVP right now? I mean, it's obviously down to two guys, in my opinion. Jason Tatum's making a name for himself. He's not going to win it, but I'd say he's going to finish top five at the worst. I hope. I mean, if we're t- if we're talking about rounding out the top five, I'll name some guys without actually saying who the MVP is going to be yet. Jokic and Embiid, Giannis, Tatum and Morant, Morant Tatum, I think that's maybe DeRozan. Um, and then after that, you're probably looking at a player on the Suns um, just because of how many wins they have. I think Jokic is going to win it, unfortunately, Jake. And I, I think Embiid's going to win it. I do think he deserves it too. Triple, Why? Triple-double machine. I think he, he's played more games than Embiid this season, which I know it shouldn't matter as much, but I know people really – People really care about that. And I think, I mean, him being a triple-double machine on one end of the floor and the other end of the floor. I Are think you a triple-double on both ends of the floor? His defense sets up unbelievable things for the Nuggets offense. That has nothing to do with triple-doubles. Yeah, but he's played more games than, than him. Embiid's been a little more inc- inconsistent, especially at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And I think Jokic's numbers are better. And I know sometimes the numbers don't matter. No, but I, I, I get it, okay? Jokic has a better player efficiency rating. He has played more games. He's only missed seven games this season. I actually took a real in-depth look at this, so I'm not just— What did Embiid miss? Um, 14? Yeah, 14 or 15. Um, That's huge. I'm not, I'm not going to go crazy and say that Jokic is a ridiculous pick. The reason, I'm, the reason I don't want to pick Jokic— is because of the narrative. Um, I get it. He'll go into games and shoot like 12 for 15, which is fantastic. He'll have like 12 assists to like one turnover. He'll yeah. get a, he'll double-digit rebounds. He's a one-man wrecking crew. 100% understand. Fine. Maybe I'm just old school, but I... He's I miss, just old. I miss the days where your team had to be the best team. 
yeah, I to, do to be the MVP. And I know the Sixers aren't the one seed, but they're they're damn close. They're a game back of the one seed. Um, the Nuggets are fifth, and the last time I checked, they're 16 and a half games out of first place in the West. Like, that's... A, that's I mean, because Phoenix is unbelievable. Okay, but they're like seven games out of second. They're, you know what I mean? They're, they're in fifth. And before, before this Westbrook MVP triple-double season, only one player had ever been third seed or worse and won the MVP, and it was Michael Jordan. We got two now. Um, I don't like it. I really don't like it. Another thing I think people are forgetting about, the top three players on this team last year were obviously Jokic, and I'd say two and three were Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. And how many games have those guys played this year? The, the guys haven't even been on the court. I mean, barely. Make, you don't want to make that argument for Embiid? Yeah, I know Embiid, but... There's you, been a... There's been a... What, because he hard and cha- uh, change no, in the middle of the a, season? there's been a media roller coaster going through Philadelphia for the majority of the year involving... But there's still ben, more talent in Philadelphia. Yeah, but, there, but Ben Simmons had like a quarter of their salary cap tied up in mental illness and Joel Embiid said I don't care I'm gonna go be the best player I can be yeah he's he's he been the best 30 player 30 a game he's he's a monster hey it's gonna be like 1A and 1B and I'm, I'm just sorry to tell you that Jokic deserves it more than Embiid how about Giannis he's gonna be he'll come in third okay and I think he'll come in third I think Ja will come in fourth and I think Oh, I Tatum think, will I come Tatum, in fifth. I think Tatum has jumped Ja with all the games Ja's missed. Yeah, if Ja continues to miss the rest of the season, which he might probably. But Tatum, yeah, that, Tatum's the beast, man. That's my take on the MVP. Then real quick, he's the conference player of the month. Yeah, but he deserves it. Rookie of the year and most improved player. Rookie of the year is probably down to two guys. There's been a lot of time missed. Don't get giddy on me here. I mean, no. Not my pick. No, giddy was, at, he was pretty good for a couple weeks. But I think Cade Cunningham will come in second. I think Evan Moby deserves it. Just because nobody expected this. How much time has this guy missed? Mobley? Yeah. He's missed 11 games. I have a different pick than you haven't even said. Who? I think that the rookie of the year is going to be... Scotty Barnes? Scotty Barnes. I think he's fallen off a little bit. He's averaging like 15 a game. Yeah, he's been good. He, he was definitely surprised my eyes this season. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Scotty Barnes, but I think it's going to go like this. Number one is going to be Mobley. Number two is going to be Cunningham. Number three will be Scotty Barnes. Maybe four, Giddy. I'm going to go Scotty Barnes, Cunningham, Mobley. It's a great order. It's a great league. You want to talk about somebody falling off? I think Mobley fell off. Yeah, I think that whole team's falling off. If you don't remember my bold prediction of the All-Star break, I said the Cavaliers will be under 500 in the second half, and I think that's that's golden right now. So we'll see what happens. I knew that Cleveland team wasn't for real, but... I want to play them in the playoffs. Yeah, if they even make we'll it. Bury no, they, yeah. they will, but we're going to bury them. And then finally, the most improved player. I wanted to go with my preseason guy, and I, I just had to go with him. I know Anthony he's, Simons. Listen, I know he's missed a lot of games this year, but if you look at the stats, if you look at the terrible team, he's kept him afloat. He's won oh him games. God. There's not a lot of choices here, in my opinion. Because I have a good one. So I'm going with Anthony Simons. I'll keep it short and sweet. Can I name drop somebody here that we haven't talked about for most improved From the Dropbox? Once. We haven't talked about this guy most improved once the entire year. But when I started thinking about it, I was like, why isn't this guy most? No, Robert Williams. Yeah, yeah. He's been good. Why is Robert Williams is being discussed for defensive player of the year? You know why? It's because the stats. The stats don't change Last year, he barely played. Yeah, I'd put him into consideration. Oh, my God. He, I think he 
Do do you not think that he? I know obviously Tatum is on another level, but do you not think that Robert Williams is a is a key reason why the Celtics are feared in the NBA? Yeah, probably. The, why is he not most improved? People just I feel like people don't give the fucking centers enough credit. These I days. completely agree with that, and if they did, Robert, Robert Williams would easily be the most improved player in the NBA because forget the stat sheet. Robert Williams is. Like the eye test, Robert Williams is the most improved player in the NBA. He's a scary man, and when he plays, he is he's really good. Nothing like he was last year. He is he is a god around the rim. I mean, now with his injury, he probably. I mean, maybe he'll finish top three or top five. You never know. All right, so that's the NBA talk. We'll be back with some picks though in a couple weeks. I mean, the play- I thought we were going to a commercial break. We'll be back after this. Sponsored by a Service with a Smile. All right, now. Um, next week, don't forget, join us for our MLB season preview. If you don't remember last year, we had, oh my God, we had some great characters on the show. We had Chris Keenan, we had Connor Ha, we had Jay Kessel, but yeah, I mean. I think I sat it out. I think Jake Platter was eating his mozzarella sticks and marinara sauce on the sidelines, but we're going to have some comedians, some characters. We're not going to have Chris Rock or Will Smith on the show, but we'll have some good dudes. But the reason why I brought that up is because the MLB season opening day is next Thursday. I know it's Jake, Jake's already shaking. I mean, he can't go to sleep at night. He's like, opening day's next Thursday. Can't believe it. But Jake, there's some rule changes. <laughs> okay. And there goes all our audience. No, but um, there's been some rule changes. Some changes are going to have to stay Thursday. Yeah, a week from today it starts. So, Jake, I want your thoughts on this. How many Thursdays are we from football? I fucking know a lot. I know we're a month from the NFL draft. Okay. A month from tonight's the NFL draft. That wasn't my question. But, all right, Jake, so a couple rule changes going into this brand-new Major League Baseball season. Yeah. Usually it's a 25-man roster. COVID happened a couple years back, and they made it 26. It so it's been a 26-man roster for the couple past couple seasons. But now, for the first month of the season, 28. Does it matter to you? Do you think it's any different than 26? I don't like to swear on the show. Who the fuck cares? A lot of people do. Why? Because those two guys might not be in AAA. Oh. Anything, anything else? No, the reason why they're doing this is because the spring training wasn't as long as usual. So they don't want to make the pitcher's arms hurt. I mean... What are they, they crybabies? No, but pitching 95, 100 mile per don't hour fastballs. Don't get me started on the pitching. I already have a different... Que- when you ask another question is when I'm going to get in on the pitching. So I don't want to bring it up yet. But don't talk to me about the pitching. I don't think the 28-man uh, roster is going to matter that much because after May 2nd, it's going to go back to normal, the 26th. But really, two guys, I agree. I don't think it really matters that much. But, hey, some you know how many guys are happy about that? How many teams in the league? 30 times 2? 60 guys that would normally be in AAA are going to be in the majors Yay. for one month at least. Yay. And you know what? What if they make their case? Then they could stick around until September and maybe October if they go that far. Maybe even November. So congratulations to those guys. The next step on our agenda for Major League Baseball, usually we only have 10 playoff teams because of the wild card thing they do. But now they're adding an extra playoff team on each side. There's going to be 12 of the 30 Major League Baseball teams that make the playoffs. The three division winners on each side and the next three best records. Jake, do you like this? More teams having a chance to win the World Series. No. Really? Yeah, really, I don't like it. Um, it to me, this it, you know resembles the NBA, where I, I get it. You know, the NBA has way too many teams yeah, making yeah, yeah, the playoffs, that, and twelve compared to the twenty that the NBA now has is obviously a big difference. But I don't know. I mean, to an extent, like what the playoffs are giving teams that didn't finish the best in the regular season a chance to win. 
but I don't know how far you want to take that. I mean, let, let me ask you legitimately, on a year-to-year -year basis, do you think that the best team that missed the playoffs would have had a legitimate chance in the playoffs? Probably probably not. Probably not. So, but let's wait and see. Yeah, but, the, but to me, when the answer is so clearly probably not most of the time, I feel like the, the reason they, they do it is for money. Yeah, of course. They it want is. an extra game. They want an extra team. They want a fan base buying tickets, box office, jerseys, open, everything. selling popcorn, whatever they are gonna do. It's just another another way to make money. Another few games they can throw in. I don't love it. Do I like you? Asked? Hell yeah, I love it. I mean, you don't live forever. I don't live forever. I mean, nobody lives forever these days. So why not try? To. Why not try new things out? I mean, in the main reason why I like this is because. These guys play 162 games in the regular season. And I think having an extra team on each side, I mean, give them a friggin' shot. 162 games in the season and at least have more than 10 teams have a chance to win a World Series. Isn't 162 games pretty telling of who should be the best? Yeah, but then there's some days where you rest guys. These guys are playing every single day besides maybe two to three days a month they get off. And sometimes you're going to have to sit, guys. These guys are human beings like us. They get exhausted at night. They get tired. Give them a shot. Give they them a chance. Sleep, they eat. I, I like the idea, but maybe it's one of those things where people don't like it at the end of the season. They go back to what they had oh, before. they're not going back. You're crazy. Yeah, like the NBA. They ain't going back either. And then the runner on second rule, we saw it last season in extra innings. Jake, I have a feeling you like that a little bit more. I do. And that brings me back to the 162 games. Do you really want to be up at 4 in the morning watching the 18th inning of game 33 of a 162-game season? On no. a Tuesday night? Yeah, or Monday. I mean, come on. Or Wednesday. People have plans. People have sleep. People have to take medicine. People have to get up for work. I mean, people need some time you for themselves. take your medicine while you watch the game? I mean, what if it knocks them out? And they missed the 14th through the 25th inning. I mean... Then they missed, like, three second basemen on the mound. Yeah, the reason why they did this, for crying out loud, is because they want these games to end before midnight. And a nine-inning game takes forever to begin with. But now, I like the rule because it, it's a lot of strategy now. Do you bunt, get the guy to third? Is I thought it a, they were removing the bunt. Uh, yeah, that was a bunch of bullshit. But but do you bunt and get the guy to third? Do you do you purposely try to hit a home run? I mean, what the, it's a good situation Versus to have. Versus by accident? No, but do you bunt? Do you get the guy to third base? Do you do you do a little bunt squeeze play? It's a lot of strategy. And then do you intentionally walk the guy to make it first and second to, to get a double play situation? I love it. I love the strategy. What? Oh, yeah, I've seen that happen. You a put bunch. two on. Yeah. Can, With get, no outs. Get the double play. Hard pass on that strategy. I mean, depend, what if it's like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. coming to the plate? Then I'm going to try and strike him out. Yeah, but that's a dangerous spot to have. And we'll see it. In, that's why I love the game of baseball. I know people are like, oh, it's horrible. It's boring. I couldn't be more excited for next Thursday. And I know it's not at Fenway Park, but when it is at Fenway Park, get your hot dogs ready. Get your popcorn ready. We had some games. Get a picture with Wally the Green Monster. Get on the Green Monster and enjoy baseball because I'm happy it's back and the Red Sox are going to be good. But I'm not going to ruin that for next week. Okay. So, Jake, you like it? Did I even ask you? The second base? Yeah, I like the second base. Thank you. And then finally, well, finally, finally, because we got two more finallys, um, the DH in the National League is going into effect for the first time ever this season. How do you feel about that? I don't like it. What's up, Howard? Howard loves the rule. I love I you. I don't like it. I don't like it. You like the pitchers to hit? I do like the pitchers to hit. I... Would prefer it went the other way and had the AL start having pitchers hit. Here's That'd be a gross mess. Here's why. I get it. Pitchers aren't great at bat. 
and, you know, they don't want to, you know, show a ninth of your screen time being a strikeout or whatever. Yeah, seriously. So I get it. I get why they're doing that. But I, I hate, hate, hate the, the trend of the way pitching Shit. is going in Sorry. the MLB. Yeah. I really don't like it. When's the last time you saw a guy pitch a complete game? Oh, man, I got to go back to the heydays. Um, it's been a while. I mean, I haven't, it, it doesn't happen as much as it used to anymore because the bullpens, they, they don't like and to stretch the guys out. I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah, I like to see the back in the days, the Nolan Ryans, the Roy Hallidays. Yeah, and, if you're, and God forbid if you're going to take a guy out in the freaking halfway through the fourth inning, God forbid he takes one at bat on top of it. Like the, the whole reason they're doing this is to conserve the arm, right? They, they, they want to make these guys be able to pitch, you know, one, one out of every three games versus their rest of, you know, a five-game rotation. Um, they want to, you know, turn some relievers into, like, some everyday starters. They want to, you know, be able to turn your native Aldi into your long reliever in the playoffs. Like, it, I'm not about it. Um, I miss the, the old school style, you know, pitchers taking over games actually like t- for an entirety of a game. It's more strategy um, too when the pitchers are bad. I, and I think, yeah, and I think part of that is pitchers being on the plate. And I don't like that they're taking that away. Yeah, I don't like it either. I, especially the NL games used to go faster because of that. Obviously, the pitchers usually automatic out. But the thing is, there's way more strategy in the National League. It's like if the sixth or seventh inning, now do you pinch hit, get the pitcher out of the game, but he's only throwing 80 pitches, but you need a, it's a 2-2 game and you need to get a good bat at the plate. Do you keep him in because he's pitching such a good game? And now you're not going to have that element of the game anymore. Do I like it because you're going to see some of these, these bats in the game more? Obviously, the DH, it's good for... I'd say it's good for the people that like to see offense, obviously. I think it aligns... But it's bad for strategy. It aligns well with adding a roster spot on the team because now your pitcher isn't also batting. You need another guy who's a bat. Yeah, these teams um, in the National League are strictly signing like the Nelson Cruises to play DH because right. he's going to play DH for the whole season. Right. So, I mean, I get... I get the, the rules align. I understand why they're doing these things, but I, I'm not a fan. Yeah, yeah, so that's a little different. And then the final thing, they're talking about it. I don't think it's going to go into effect this season, but they actually – it was in effect in the AAA a couple of years back and last year, I believe. But you think there should be a pitch clock in the game, like 30 seconds? They were doing 30 seconds. If he doesn't deliver the pitch, it's an automatic ball. I mean – I don't know. I mean – Talk about speeding up the game. Realistically, you know, the, the pitch clock, if it's even enforced, it probably won't even be pushed to a ball. It'll probably just be like – the NBA does with their delay of game warning. Technical or, foul. Yeah, technical foul. Automatic triple. One EFIS um, must be thrown. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, if it, if it was a, a, a rule that was going to be enforced strictly and players were to follow it, then I think it was fine, but I don't see that, that being the case. Um, I, think they're, I think even if they have it, it's going to be super lenient um, and they'd never, up, they would never let it actually affect the game. So Yeah, I agree. I mean, if it does affect the game and the pitchers are really pitching slow, like the Mark Burleys of the game aren't here anymore. He used to get that thing out of his arms in five seconds. But uh, we need the game to go faster, that's for sure. But I don't think you got to do a pitch clock. It just makes things a little awkward, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, that's the baseball talk. Again, we'll be back next week, a week from today. The Red Sox start in uh, not all the teams, but baseball is going to be here before you know it. Before we get to our final four stuff, Sorry. towards the end of the show, Jake, there were some... 
There was more. This is the craziest, craziest offseason in NFL history by far, in my opinion. There's been a lot of movement. Definitely. Big the name movement. Most movement I can remember. We already talked about a lot of it, but I wrote down some of the things that happened this past week that we didn't get to. A day after our show, one of the best wide receivers in the game got traded to the Miami Dolphins. Did not see this coming. Tyreek. Tyreek Hill is now in the AFC East. Jake, where do you see this going from both sides? I mean, crazy blockbuster NFL trade. No doubt about that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I mean, you know, simply put, you can talk winners and losers. um, And to me, that all comes down to what these draft picks turn into because the Chiefs got a significant haul for for Tyree Kill, which they should have. Ridiculous amount of shit Um, happened there. But do I think this changes the Dolphins? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I... I don't think that that team was in desperate need of a wide receiver, to put it simply. And obviously Tyreek Hill is a different animal. Um, there really is no one like the cheetah. And, yeah, uh, he's fast. I can tell you that much. And, and he's going to add a, a, you know, a different facet to their game. But, you know, uh, to me... Can't forget about who the QB is. For sure. And I, I don't think Tua's the guy. But to me... Moves like this are made by teams that are a piece away. And I don't think that Miami adding Tyreek Hill is a, you know, a contender-making move. Um, it's going to be interesting. The, so the AFC is wide open. I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of it from a Miami standpoint. I don't think they needed a receiver. I don't think that the, the haul they gave away is really going to be worth it as far as you know impact on the field goes. Um, I think Tyreek Hill is going to be great. He's not just going to like fall off the map, but he's not going to be any better than he was. No, and he'll probably be worse. He'll he'll definitely be worse. Um, yeah, skill wise, I mean, skill wise, going to change. You know that that's that's my thoughts on the Miami side. As far as the Chiefs go, I think it, it's you know it is what it is. I, I half their it's money a big is, blow. half their money's tied up in Patrick Mahomes, so they I, I get the move. They had to get rid of somebody and Tyreek Hill for all those draft picks. I mean, at least they got something back, right? So, I understand. Couldn't have come at a worse time for the Chiefs. That division is yeah, dirty. They don't want to see that happen. I I still think the Chiefs are a playoff team, but I I'm I'm ready to write them off as the division winner. I I I'm almost going to say there's no chance. Yeah, I mean, like Jake said, from a Miami standpoint, I mean, obviously, when you get a talent like Tyree Kill, you're going to get better because maybe the record won't get better, but. He's going to make the team better in some aspect. He brings a uh, number one, top five receiver in the game to the offense. The quarterback's obviously a huge factor because two is not one of the best QBs, if not maybe not even top half in the league. No. But it's going to make the offense super fast. They got a new head coach, a young head coach. He loves playing with these fast guys. He got some fast running backs. Obviously, Jalen Waddle has some speed. And you add Tyree Kill to the offense, it's going to open up the offense a lot more for a young quarterback like Tua Tagovailoa. And then from the, from the Kansas City standpoint, they still got a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. They still got a Hall of Fame tight end. Yep. They still got enough weapons on the offense Hilaire. to survive. And yeah, they just who they, are they for receivers? Right now, they they got rid of Tyree Kill. That's it. They got Nicole Hardman, Juju, and they just signed Marquise Valdez Scantling, who's probably going to play a big, pretty big part in the offense now. That's insane. So that's their top three. Because that's such a drop off. You lost Tyree Kill. They lost Pringle, and they lost to Marcus Robinson. And Sammy Watkins, I believe, too. So the Tyree Kill trade from both sides is obviously a huge piece. I don't think Kansas City is going to be a lot worse because of this, just because they get Patrick Mahomes. And you think Travis Kelsey is going to have his best season ever? I mean, it sure looks like it from the depth chart standpoint of things. I don't know. I mean, 
the attention's going to be on him. Yeah, it's not going to open the field as much for the other guys, and you don't have that Tyree killing your offense anymore. But from a perspective of who's going to be better in the long run, I mean, Kansas City got a freaking haul for him. They did, and they and, and they still got Patrick Mahomes locked up forever. Yeah, and I mean that they made the right move. Um, you know, if, if we're gonna, you know, just look at it from a pure winning standpoint, I think they made the right move. If you get that um, many draft picks for him, I think you have to do it. All that money is, like I said, all that money is tied up in Mahomes. It's tied up in, uh, you know, those those star defensive guys they have, uh, Clark and um, what's the other guy, Chris Jones, um, Jones, and and, and, it's, Badger. and it's tied up in Kelsey. So. To be able to have some high-value draft picks that they can use on some young impact players that make small money is the right move. So from a longevity standpoint, they probably just extended their window of being a contender by two or three years. Yeah, I agree So I I think it's a good move. And the Marquis Valdez-Scanling move was kind of the move that, you know what? Receivers move. We lost Tyree Kill. we got to get someone. Yeah, and and obviously Tyree Kill is one of the rare few that I would call almost irreplaceable. Scanling is pretty Um, fast. But, yeah. But, like I said, receivers move. There's, there's some available every offseason, and as long as you have Patrick Mahomes under center, there's going to be a receiver that wants to catch the ball from him. Yeah, I agree. So the other, a couple other things that happened, I don't know if Jake saw, but there was a quarterback on the move as well, had, having to do with the New Orleans Saints. I don't think a lot of people were talking about this, but it happened a couple out. Trevor Simeon. A couple days ago, the Saints have Jameis Winston. Obviously, he will be, probably be the number one quarterback, but you don't know who else they got? Taysom Hill. No, I'll give you a hint. Okay. You guys have a little bit of resemblance. Oh. They got Andy Dalton. Yeah, Andy Dalton signed with the Saints to battle with Jameis Winston in the training camp. Maybe they're a little concerned about his shoulder. And they still got Taysom Hill, but you know what he is. They still have Trevor Simeon? No, I don't think so. Taysom Hill's the gadget guy. So what do you think about the signing for the New Orleans Saints and why they did it? More because I don't think Jameis Winston's 100% probably. Yeah, they're probably just concerned he won't play. And they, they probably didn't like what they got from Taysom Hill last year. Yeah, I mean, he's not a quarterback. Let's be real here. But if I had a pick going into the season, would I rather have Winston or Andy Dalton? Winston. If, if Winston's healthy, Winston's my quarterback number one. But they signed Andy Dalton for like $4 million, something cheap like that. If you can get a backup in the NFL is important. And a, if, a, a fringe starter level backup, I get it. And if you can get Andy Dalton for that amount of money, that cheap, inexpensive, I mean, I'd take that any day of the week, sure. even Sunday. I mean, so so that's that's a good I addition. Hope you take it on Sunday. That's when they play. Yeah. It's a good addition to the team. I think Winston should be ready. But let's get to the two other things that happened involving Tom Brady's old team and his current team. I guess the thing that just happened yesterday, I mean, kind of unexpected with the Bruce Arians news. For those of you that don't know, he's not the head coach anymore and moving to a front office role. Do you think this had anything to do with Tom Brady coming back? The, I don't know. They're trying to spin it in some way that Brady pushed him out. But I, wouldn't, I don't really understand why. I mean, it seems like it's a rumor. It seems like Arians let Brady pretty much do whatever he wanted with the offense, and they won a Super Bowl. I mean, out the, of it. Yeah, so, he's eighty-five years old. No, so he's not I, that old. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't want to believe that hype. I, I didn't see anything in the last two years to make me believe that Tom Brady and Bruce Arians had any kind of beef. Yeah, I mean, they said Brady knew about it when he was coming back. But the thing that stands out to me is, I know. There's a lot of drama involved with all these sports and all that. But Arians had his press conference today. Tom Brady was in the first row. I mean, I don't think there's any beef there. I don't think there really ever was any beef. And if there was beef of some sort, I think maybe it started because of what happened with Antonio Brown and all that bullshit that happened with him during the season. I think they made it a bigger case than it was. You don't think that those two guys were in agreement that Antonio Brown should not be on the team? Yeah, Yeah, that's why I'm saying I don't think Brady and Arians really had any beef to begin with. Right. I mean... 
And if Arians really did want to resign, it was kind of weird that he didn't do it as soon as the season ended, in my opinion. Because yeah. why wouldn't you? But then again, you go through the offseason. He's not young. What, what else does he, Bruce Arians have left to prove? I mean, he okay. won the Super Bowl. He seems like he's 103. He's really younger than that. But now he still has a role in the front office. He's going to have a lot to do with the team. He'll probably be on the field before games. But now what do you think about the man that's going to succeed him? Who is going to succeed him? Defensive coordinator. The, old, the Jets coach, Todd Bowles, is the new head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. I love it. It's a good. De- I mean, he ran a good defense in Tampa Bay. I actually love it. Um, I think that, like I said, I feel like Brady kind of just dominates the offense and and knows what to do, how to run it, how to even design how it. How to be a Jew? Oh, sorry. How to, he spent so long in the league. I think he basically is an offensive coordinator that plays on the field. Um, so I think getting a defensive minded coach is perfect. Um, I feel like Todd Bowles will let Tom Brady do his thing. Oh, yeah, hell and, yeah. And just build the best defense he can around him. I mean, I was thinking, I didn't, I didn't know who the head coach was going to be. Then I was thinking maybe it will be Leftwich, maybe it will be Bowles. I kind of was leaning towards Leftwich a little because he's younger, and Bowles didn't really do too much when he was head coach of the Jets. But it's the Jets. Give a, give a guy a second chance in one of the better scenarios to be in in the NFL. And if you remember, that Tampa Bay defense in the Super Bowl against Kansas City. Stifling. Phenomenal. Ever since Bowles was hired by Tampa Bay, that defense has been unreal. I know it's they the players sometimes. Players it's not like the secondary is that great, but give Bulls a shot. And with a team like that, Bulls will be running the defense, head coach technically, and you still got you still got your man Arians in the front office. And like Jake said, Brady's Brady's kind of the head coach as well. Yeah. And then the the final move before we get into our final <sighs> makes me sad. I'm gonna have to leave the final four. Um, final final. The Patriots made two moves while we were away from the camera. Both on defense, both in the secondary. It's a reunion to begin things with Malcolm Butler is back. And the thing that scares me, all right, they got him on a cheap deal, so why not? I think the Belichick-Butler thing is a little in the past. But it has to be, right? Malcolm Butler is my cornerback one. I don't like that. Jonathan Jones. Yeah, but you're looking at the secondary right now as the cornerbacks, at least, as Malcolm Butler, Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones and Miles Bryant as your top four. And to me that that's really concerning. Yeah, I completely agree. I I'm almost I'm shocked. I really am shocked at the regression that the Patriots have shown from last year to this. Um it seemed like in a year where we got a rookie quarterback and you know, when when you have that there's this huge window of opportunity while this guy is not on a big contract to to really build the team and make something happen. It seems like the Patriots went the opposite direction and just hardly got anyone. Yeah, the, sh- the shit in the pants a little in this offseason so far. I mean, again, they, they don't have that much calorie spa- space cap, whatever that you want to call it, left. But They've eaten you, all their calories. You bring back Malcolm Butler, which I don't think is a bad move because of how, how inexpensive he was. But this is a guy that barely played last season, and he's, he's not young either. No. And again, he knows the system. He knows Patricia. He knows Belichick and all them. But do you really want Malcolm Butler as your cornerback one? No. Yeah, but he'll, he should be all right. Isn't in Gilmore still available? Yeah, I would love to bring back Gilmore. Let's do it. Make it all a reunion. So you bring back Malcolm Butler, and then in the other news, and a move I actually really like if he can keep his head on his shoulders. Yeah. You bring in a safety that can play linebacker. He's still very young. Jab- I think he might play offense. G- Jabril Peppers is a good player. I'm serious. What was he going to play? Oh, he's some a, kind of gadget player. He's a good punt and kick returner, apparently. But this is a oh, guy definitely. that's good. This is a guy that's really good. He hasn't really been in a great system. Coming up in ACL. But he's coming. He's coming to a not a place that he knows. But Joe Judge was his head coach, and he's back in a system 
with Joe Judge he's a little familiar with. Jabril Peppers is a good player. You think he's going to play linebacker too? Yeah, I think with Hightower... Maybe not back. Yeah, yeah. slugging around. I, I do think that he is going to get some, some valuable time there. Yeah, and we're talking about the cornerback group not being deep. But when you go to the safety group, I love what the Patriots have at their safety group with their top oh, yeah. four. You got De- Devin McCourty, who you know who he is. Maybe he's declining a little bit. Adrian Phillips has been very good since the Patriots acquired him. And now you get two guys that can play safety and linebacker. You got Peppers, who you just got, and Kyle Duggar's a hell of a player as well. Duggar's fantastic. So you're, you're, the safety group, I'm not that concerned about at all. And again, maybe those guys can play cornerback a little bit too. But Jabril Peppers is a guy, when I saw the Patriots sign him for how inexpensive they signed him. I think it's a great... He was hurt. It's a great move. It really is. So, to me, there's still a lot of time left. Jake, really quick, if you had to guess who the Patriots will get in the first round, what position do you think they're going to get? Mm, I'm going to go with... I don't know. It's Belichick, right? So I'm going to go with a defensive lineman. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it from one of three ways, I think you, they could go wide receiver, you could go cornerback, you could go D-lineman, you could get fourth way, you can get younger at the linebacker position, fifth way, you could go for the offensive line. I mean, there's a lot of different ways they can go. I think you really got to find that number one cornerback, though, again, if they're not going to sign anyone. I think that's extremely important. Yeah, it is. Wide receiver tends to be deep. I don't think they'll do it. Yeah, I don't think they will either. For all we know, he'll go punter and say, we get the best punter that's ever come out of the draft. But, yeah, we'll see. The draft's one month away from today, I believe. All right, final 10 minutes or so of the show. We got a big Saturday night ahead of us. We got four marquee teams. We got the Wildcats of Villanova, the Tar Heels, the Blue Devils, the Jayhawks. Jake, you excited for this Final Four? I mean, a lot of years we have that Cinderella story, but we got four marquee teams. I'm very excited for the Final Four. I think we got two good games and then a third championship game that has to be good. You don't know what it's going to be. No, I got a good idea, though. Yeah, it's one of three outcomes? Four outcomes. Four outcomes. But yeah, Jake, before we get to the top ten players in this thing, let's get your predictions. Who do you think is going to win the final four games first? Okay. And, and then we'll, we'll get to the, the story later on. Okay. So. So the first game is, I'd say, the worst of the two, but they're both great games. So Kansas and Villanova are playing. and Really? Oh, yeah. Yep. And as I said, I... Up until this game against Miami, I don't think Kansas has really shown what they're truly capable of. I think they're going to benefit heavily from the injury to Justin Moore for Villanova. And I think Kansas is going to pull out the win. Yeah, I was just writing my score prediction. Yeah, the Justin Moore injury is crucial. I think he's the second best player on the team. He led the team in scoring this year. I don't think Villanova is just going to go down and quit. Obviously not, because this, this culture is strong. Jay Wright's a hell of a head coach. You still got Gillespie. You still got Jermaine Samuels, who's been Villanova's best player in the tournament. But to begin with, this team basically only plays six guys. And now you're going down to playing Caleb Daniels in the starting lineup, and you're going to have Archie Diakono off the bench, a guy that barely ever That's plays. That's pretty much it. The scoring is not going to be there for Villanova they're in this game. They're not deep enough. They're not deep. Out of the four teams, they're the least deepest out of all four of them. And you're going against a Kansas team that I don't think has shown what they're made of yet. And this could be the game. Yeah. It could be the Ochi Abaji game. It could be the David McCormick down low game. Yeah. It could be the defense that Villanova's defense is good. No, I'm with you. I think they're hitting at the right time, like the perfect time. Yeah, and Kansas really hasn't shown what they're made of yet. Perfect opportunity and the best stage in the world, the Final Four. 
And Kansas got lucky with the Justin Moore injury. Yep. Even with Justin Moore, I think Kansas would win this game. I'm going 72-65. The Jayhawks win by seven points in this one. Wow. I think, I think Abaji's ready to explode, and, and this is going to be the game that he does it. Okay. Do you have any score prediction for this? No, I didn't think about it. All right. So that's, that's that game. I think we'll talk about the players in a little while here, but the Justin Moore injury is horrible. It really is from a standpoint of where it happened to the stage we're at now. Right. Like 30 seconds left in that game. Was it really? Less than a minute. Yeah, I think it was. 30 seconds left. I mean, come on. That's horrible. And Justin Moore, again, the leading scorer. Let's get to, let's get to the, the, the best rubber match in the history of the tournament right here. First time meeting. Tar Heels, Blue Devils, the best rivalry in college basketball. First time ever meeting in the tournament. And, I mean, in Coach K's final season for it to happen in the Final Four, you couldn't write up a written story. Written in the stars. You couldn't write up a story better than this. See, written in the stars wasn't even as good as this. Wasn't that a book? No. I think I read it in, like, Mrs. Siles' class in kindergarten. But, but this is going to be a great one. Who? Miss Siles, Parkview. She had four black Dalmatians. I don't know what she had. Dalmatians <laughs> are spotted. Bless you. <laughs> Thanks. I'm getting, I'm getting sneezy just thinking about this game. Jake, who do you think is going to win and why? I think it's been a fantastic run for UNC. I think UNC got a tremendous win against Duke on their home floor as the regular season was ending, and I don't think that Duke will forget that. I think Duke is the most talented team remaining. I think that UNC has taken advantage of teams that don't have a super high-powered offense. They've been able to just come out firing and, and outscore their opponents. They've actually stepped it up on the defensive end as well. But I don't think they have the chops to match up defensively with Duke. And I, I just think that when Duke puts their head down and plays defense versus when UNC does it, Duke ends up being the winner. So I'm going to take Duke in this one. Yeah, this game is filled with talent. But I just as much as I want to go with UNC, they're hot at the right time. They've been awesome. I love if they win. Ever since they beat Duke in, that, in Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium, they've been on a hell of a freaking run. But you're telling me that they're going to beat Duke in the Final Four, Coach K's final season, I know it's a neutral site, Jake, and a neutral site will be easier for them to win than it was at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Yep. But I don't think they can do it in the Final Four. They did it once. Yeah, they, sp- they split the season series. But I think Duke's offense is even better than it was when that last game happened. I think they are really hot right now. And to me, it all comes down to who's the best player in the game. And we'll get to that in a second. But I- Jake's asking for water. But I think Duke has the best player in this game. And I think he's going to show why he's the best player in this game. And quite frankly, the best player in the tournament. So I'm going Duke. I'm going Kansas in the championship game. And in the final game, by the way, I have Duke 79, North Carolina 74 in this one. Whoa. Final game, it's the Jayhawks and the Blue Devils Monday I night. I have the same matchup. National championship. I'm going with Kansas 64, Duke 73. Yeah, I got Duke winning that one too. I'm good, thank you. I got Duke hired a waitress winning, for the night. I got Duke winning the national championship this year. Uh, I didn't going in, but they they're playing like the right team. They're they're too hot. They're too talented. Um, just from a matchup standpoint, they're too if, pretty. If they play right. They should be the winner. Yeah, I mean, and if that is our national championship game, I think we're gonna hell get a hell of a contest. I mean, again, it's a marquee program every way you put it. But I think this is the year. Coach K, 
storybook ending, coming out on top, national champion. Paulo Benchero, NBA number one overall pick and national champion. And to do it against North Carolina and Kansas along the way. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, happy Mother's Day, happy anniversary, whatever you want to call it. Merry Easter. I think, yeah, so those are our predictions. Monday night will be the championship game. We'll break it down on the show next week. But, Jake, before we say goodbye to, our, more? to our old classmates, our new classmates, our new teachers, our, our substitutes. Our friends in the stands. What's up, Mr. Ha? No. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> let's get. That guy gave me detention. Let's get to the top ten players remaining in this tournament. Why, why not? Starting at number ten. Final four. Number ten for me. Of the players remaining in the final four. I got too excited here. I had to do a slash. Is Christian Brown of Kansas. Christian Brown, 14 a game. Pretty good on the three. Pretty athletic, sneaky athletic for, for you uh, gym rat lovers out there. Um, Christian Brown. I think he's good. Christian Brown was the guy that just missed the cut for me. Didn't make it on the list. I was thinking about it. I, was, I had my pen right there, but I just said, oh, got to pull it away. There's 10 or 11 guys better. Number 10 for me, slash 11, because I couldn't decide between these two. I went with two Duke Blue Devils. I went with a Wendell Moore slash Mark Williams. I know Jake probably has Mark Williams maybe number one because he loves him. Mark Williams is so much higher on my list. But I went with Wendell Moore slash Mark Williams. I think these two guys are great. And You're crazy. I'll give man. it away. Duke definitely has the most guys on this list You're for me. freaking crazy, bro. How he, is How are there nine players better than Mark Williams? Maybe they haven't played better in the tournament, but you got to look at it as, as a You're whole. You're freaking crazy. Yeah, but Mark Williams is on fire. He's had a great tournament. He really has. He is up in that stock hard. Who has he gone up against? Who's he gone up against? Jalen Williams is more of a four. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to break it down. Like, come on here. But the, the matchups have not been great. I'm not, I'm not saying Mark Williams sucks because he's on the list. Mark Williams is a great player, and I, quite frankly, am obsessed with him. I'm but, obsessed with Mark Williams. But Wendell Moore... I'm, I'm going to be so excited to watch him in the NBA. But he's number 10. And Wendell Moore, by the way, probably not on Jake's list. This guy does everything. Everything. And he's, he's probably the guy that of everyone in this Final Four that would be most likely to get a triple-double. Wendell Moore. Yeah, but no triple-double. All right, so number nine. Number nine for me. Point guard. UNC. RJ Davis. Didn't make the list. He's hooping. Great. He had one great game. I'll give him that. I got R.J. Davis. He's an important player for them. I like R.J. Davis. He's the fourth best player in North Carolina, in my opinion. But he didn't make the list. Yeah, I also have him as the fourth best player. I have three more North Carolina players on this list. A guy that did make the list for me. Point guard, number nine. Only guy that I have coming off the bench on this list is my boy Remy Martin. He's had a great tournament. Remy Martin's pretty good. He's been on a roll. And this guy was hurt for the whole season for Kansas. I said it to Jake when we were sitting at Jake and Joe's, the Kansas creating game. Remy Martin is the reason why this team is going to go deep. He's leading them in scoring. He's playing great, and he comes off the bench. The best sixth man that nobody knows about. You're going to know about him on Saturday night. He's good. Very good. Remy Martin, number nine for me. Number eight. Let's get to eight because we're so great. Point guard, UNC. Caleb Love. Got a lot. He's a great man. He is a baller. He actually he deserves to be on this list. He better be on your list too. Because Caleb Love is on fire. He is, you know, not the only reason UNC's winning games, but he sure as hell has won his matchup every game this tournament. Oh, the guy's awesome. I mean, I'll talk about him later on in the show, but I really do like Caleb Love. But someone that I, I like at number eight, 
a guy that Jake has a little bit lower on the list, apparently. We're going to go to my first North Carolina player on the list at number eight. A guy that has the hair, almost goes down to his bum. A guy that hits three-pointers like this you wouldn't believe. This is my believe. number seven player. By Brady Manick's awesome. I mean, he doesn't play defense, but when you watch him on the court, the guy is a very, very scary weapon on UNC, and that's why I think he's the third-best player on this team. Yeah, I, uh, I've worked right, on, right along. If we want to go to number seven for me is Brady Manick. Um, that dude is a flamethrower. Yeah. He's got the quickest trigger I've ever seen. How does he get out of his hands that fast? He, he Whoa. Does, it doesn't matter who's in front of him either. He'll just pop it right off, and he makes it pretty often. He's, he's got a great touch inside, too. He does. He, and I, you know, I... You, you Tried say, going up against Mark Williams. Yeah, then. you say he doesn't play any defense, and I, I kind of agree. He tries. But I think he's a very underrated Whoa. rebounder. It, it's unfortunate that he's next to Armando Baycott because... I think he'd be an even better rebounder if he didn't have a guy who could pull down 20 rebounds a game next to him. Yeah. I think he's a great rebounder. I think he's a great shooter and scorer. Um, and he he changes that offense. He he totally – a reason why UNC has a chance to win this game is because their bigs combined are, are unguardable. They're big. They're big. They're, they're bulky. They're unbelievable. Number seven for me. Overall, I think this is really Villanova's third best player on the team, and he was the third best player for Villanova this season. But when he got to the tournament, Jermaine Samuels has been unbelievable. I think he's going to be first team all tournament March Madness when it's over. Wow. Jermaine Samuels has been awesome. The Franklin Mass native, I love it. Went to school in Franklin. And he's showing the whole town of Franklin what's up. But, I mean, if, if Villanova wants to beat Kansas, he's going to have to continue to be awesome. And I think it's going to be harder for him to be good in this game because, obviously, the attention's not on Justin Moore anymore. And I think Jermaine Samuels... It's going to be a horrible matchup for him in this game with Ochiabaji and Jalen Wilson on the other side. But Jermaine Samuels, to me, has been by far Villanova's best player in the tournament so far. He's been incredible. I, I, I agree with you. He's, he's a great player. I enjoy watching him a lot. He's, he's a lot of fun. He's a good defensive player as well. Yep. Number six. Number six for me, my first Duke player on this list. Woo! A.J. Griffin. Going to the NBA, I think he's a great shooter. I think he stretches the floor very well. I think he is an oversized guard. He's a great rebounder, good distributor. He makes the smart play pretty yes. often. Um, he hasn't done anything like miraculous in the tournament, but you know, Shit. with a team that loaded, I don't think he needs to. Um, but I, I'm a big fan. I think he's done a great job, and I, I got him at number six. Yeah, I agree. I agree. AJ Griffin coming up in just a second. But number six for me. A guy that Jake already mentioned. I think the top six for me were pretty, not the order, but I think these guys are far and away the best six players left. Six is Caleb Love. I think you can make a case he's the most scary offensive weapon left in the game. I mean, the way he shoots. No, you can't. I mean, not wing-wise, but shooting-wise. If you ask me a guy that I want to take in the last shot, Caleb Love would probably be in my top three. This guy's scary. Offensive end. Defense, he really doesn't play that well. But Caleb Love's a guy that, I don't know if you watched that last game against UCLA, Back-to-back three-pointers down the stretch. He said, we're going to the Final Four, and they were. Caleb Love is a really good player. Number five for me, Jake just mentioned him, A.J. Griffin. I think he's the best three-point shooter left in the Final Four. I think he's going to be a hell of an NBA player. I think his defense is underrated. And A.J. Griffin, to me, could be key for Duke. If he doesn't play good, North Carolina could win the game. He's definitely key. Um, Number five. And, and yeah, you know, you're right there with me. I got him at six. You got him at five. Number five for me... Man, we've already discussed. I can't believe Justin Adam this far down on the list. Number five for me is Mark Williams. Whoa. And Mark Williams is on another level. He, I mean, the, he, he's not the best center I have on this list, but it's only because another guy is... David McCormick. Right. No, no, the he other is guy kind of is good. David McCormick. No, he's um, good. He's not. No, he, he's not on my list. 
But Mark Williams has been playing on another level. He's he's averaging like fifteen and like twelve in the tournament. Um, he's he's a block machine. Can't wait he, for the matchup, by the way. Him and Big I know, I know. That's gonna be that's gonna be that's gonna be a battle. Make but, sure you're wearing the right underwear. I mean, sorry. But I'm I'm pumped to to see that. I I'm pumped to see Mark Williams in the NBA. I am very excited by him. Every time he takes the floor, I'm a big fan. Yeah. I, there aren't that many like old school like back to the basket bigs that I get excited by, but he's definitely one of them. Yeah, he's good. He kind of reminds me of Bam Adebayo a little bit, honestly, when it comes to the NBA. He's not the passer he is, but he should be good. Mm, yeah. So number four for me is actually... I think he kind of reminds me of Rob Williams. Yeah, yeah, he blocked. I think he's a better offensive player than Rob Williams. But number four for me is the best star that Kansas has to offer. He's going to be a first-round pick, probably going to be a top 15 pick in the draft. He's number four for me as well. So Ochi Abaji, I mean, he's the key for Kansas. He's far and away the best player. We talked about it earlier in the show. He hasn't been great in the tournament. This could be his breakout party right here. He's a great player. Yeah, I'm waiting. Good for, defense. I'm too. waiting for him to have one of these like 30 point games like he did in the regular season, and it just hasn't come. He seems to be shooting pretty cold, but <laughs> I I had to put him on the list because he can take over a game. When, he is the when list. He needs to. Yeah, he is the list. Um, so number four for me, I agree with you, Ochiabaji. Um, can I move to number three? Yeah. So we both get a Baji. Nothing more to stay. He's probably the best wing left. I mean, Banchero is kind of a wing too, but. Debate. Montero is definitely a win. Um, number three. Number three for me. Um, to me, the best player on Villanova, um, Colin Gillespie. He's, you know, like Justin said, Samuels maybe. So you got Gillespie, Baycott. Yeah. All right, I got Baycott, Gillespie. So same shit. Right. Um, but I, I'm talking about Gillespie right now. Great shooter, just hasn't really shown up as much in the tournament, which is the reason why. Yeah. The reason why I have him at three here and not two. Um, but he, he's their leader. If they're going to win a game, it's it's because of that. Yeah, Gillespie hasn't shown up really at all. He had one basket last game. I believe he had two the game before. And this is a guy that's really due to show up. But it's going to be even harder now without Justin Moore in the lineup. So we'll see what happens there. I got Gillespie at two. I, I just think I like him better. I don't know. Come, come on, man. Baycott is... Baycott, Baycott had the better the tournament. big in the tournament. Baycott's had the better tournament. And if North Carolina wants to win this game, he's probably... He's definitely the key for them I mean, to you, win. You saw his numbers last game, right? Yeah, 15, 16, and 20, 20, and 22, whatever it was. Yeah, he, he's, un, he's an unstoppable force. And, you know, for all the praise I give Mark Williams, I actually I wonder how much Mark Williams is going to be able to handle Armando Baycott. Um, yeah, I think it's going to go both ways. Baycott is a problem. He He's going to – if UNC wins this game, it's going to be because Baycott creates so many extra possessions yes. for them on the offensive end. He creates freaking havoc, man. He Yeah, and if he hits his free throws, it's over. Yeah, watch out. I mean, both those two guys are awesome. All these guys, I mean, I can't wait to turn on my TV Saturday night and see all of them. I know. But – and then number one. Number one. got to be the guy that's going to be number one. Number one. It's Paolo. He, he's had a great tournament. And I think, yeah, like Jake said earlier, he probably shown why he's going to be number one in the draft. I mean, it, it's it a pays, deep draft. It pays off to be the only high-level prospect remaining in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, Jabari's no, no done. Else, no one else can prove their worth. It's just him. Ivy and Jabari and Shed are all done. If he wins the national championship, I would put my life on him being the first pick in the draft. Yeah, I mean, and he's far and away the best player. And last game, he's had a very good tournament. A lot of, sometimes these guys that are the number one picks... We've seen in the past, like DeAndre Aiden, terrible bows out early. A lot of these other guys just don't play as tough down the stretch. But Bonchero, got to give him credit. I mean, it is Coach Simmons K's final season. Yeah, but this is this is a situation where I think it's going to be a storybook ending, 
in Bunchero is definitely number one. So, Jake, you passed the test. I did pretty good. It's going to be a fun Final Four Saturday night. For those of you that don't know, I believe first game is at 6.09. Is it? Do you know, Jake? No, I don't. 6.09 on TBS. Kansas, four-and-a-half-point favorites. And then 8.49 on TBS. Probably going to really be later than that. North Carolina, Duke, Duke four-point favorites. So we'll give you a breakdown next week. We'll give you our MLB preview next week. And NIT Championship, by the way, is on TV right now for those of you that are interested. It's a one-point game with about 10 minutes left. So you know where we're going to be going. I'm going to the couch. See you guys next week for week 84. My my feet, I got some pins and needles I got to deal with right now. So I'll see you later. Have a good week.